You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith. Today I am talking to Tom Stade. Now, Mr. Stade has been on the show. I should say Commander Stade. I don't know where he gets that from, but uh, apparently he's known as Commander Stade. Tom was on the show before some, I don't know what, six six years ago, something like that. Um, we did a live show at Wolverhampton and we returned to a couple of the topics that we talked about then. Um, but also we will be discussing a bunch of other stuff. I guess at the moment it's fair to say that uh, Tom is teetering on the brink of the elder statesman phase of his career. Uh, we'll talk about surviving the pandemic due to his strong family unit and his natural impish inclination not to take anything too seriously. But we will also talk about the relationship between political correctness and being deliberately appropriate, uh, how you hit critical mass as a touring comic and the long-term relationship with his fans that has developed after decades of the business. Um, I also get to ask him at the very end of this episode, are you ever not happy? So look out for that. This is Tom Stade. Let's get right in there. How is your mental health? How, as a gigging comedian, have you been coping with the, the whole last couple of years? Okay, good question, Stu, and I love that first one. The fact that I am a comedian, uh, I think you can appreciate this, is the reason I am coping with all this <laughs> stuff. Because because uh, I I just, it's another... All it's been to me, Stu, is this anomaly in this human play that we're living in. Some are watching, some are participating very actively. But um, for me, I'm just, I, I've just really enjoyed watching the death. I've enjoyed watching the... The, the panic, I've enjoyed watching my own mental state uh, go up and okay. down. I've enjoyed, I've just enjoyed the, like, because I've never seen anything like this in my lifetime. It's like, it's like, you know, I mean, I've been sitting in the front row, as George Carlin would say, of the the beautiful thing that is going on. And and to see something this dramatic happen on stage, I'm glad I didn't go to the lobby to grab some popcorn for this one and come back and go, what did I miss? The whole world shut down, man. Yeah. And like, who shut it down? Who knows who shut it down? It's just happening, man. So, so yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, like everybody, I've had hardships, of course, do you know what I mean? But I never really got 
that involved in it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I never okay. really, you know, uh, decided, are we going to go right into it? Decided if the world's become fascist or are you tyranny or are we all in it together? Or, you know, all, all the, the, the crazy opinions that social media has created to create this, uh, the, the, the chaotic, the chaotic, uh, uh, the chaotic world that we're living in right now, where really nobody knows what they're doing, dude. And it's awesome. It's like, it's just, it's, it's like watching people in the dark bang their face against the wall, <laughs> thinking they're getting out of this. <laughs> okay, that's a, that is a hell of an answer. I've got three potential offshoots from that. I'm going to say them out loud so we both remember. Okay. One is that... I'm really interested in that idea of uh, social media, which obviously has given a voice to a lot of people. And as someone who is, mm -hmm. we don't need to answer this now. I'll, 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 I'll lay out the territory that I want to talk to you about, just purely from that. So okay. one of them is that social media has given everybody, everybody that wants to have it, something of the ability to be like the kind of warrior poet philosopher that comedians flatter ourselves that we are. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're, you know, you, we've talked in the past yeah. about kind of wanting to be wise or like wanting to be wise in your comedy or find wisdom, find in kind of universal truths and share them with an audience. And the reason they're prepared to accept them is because you and I can package them into a palatable funny way right now social media mm -hmm. has given everybody the opportunity to say a thing put it in a particular way quite apart from you know the the sort of the extreme examples of you know covid related scaremongering or that kind of stuff but it's sort of given everybody the opportunity to do the thing that previously <coughs> when you started your career if you wanted to be able to speak truth to power and be wise and lyrical and what have you you had to be funny and prove that you can have an audience and now it's been democratized. So it's all out there, right? Yeah. So every, everyone's doing that. So that that's one thing. Okay. I also want to talk to you about the the fact that I'm so pleased to hear that you are A, happy, B, thriving, and C, not completely insane. Because mm -hmm. I, I think the, the pandemic has kicked away a lot of our psychological crutches. Mm -hmm. And I think in some ways... You are so I love that word psychological crutches. It's <laughs> absolutely fantastic. I'm keeping that. <laughs> and and I think you're someone who I'm uh I'm I'm so excited to have you back on the show because you are someone who is in a sphere of being a comic in their fifties, newly in their fifties, and something can happen to comedians who once spoke truth to power when they look around them and go, oh, everybody's so woke now. That's the power <laughs> I have to speak truth to. And they kind of do a heel turn, right? And I think you know yeah. the sorts of acts I'm talking about. And you don't seem to have done that. And if at some point during this interview it comes out that you have, we'll deal with that when it comes. But I was like, oh, I think Tom's a... I think Tom's still on the, on the side of the, the angels, I think. And I'm mm. wondering whether that's connected to how you've been able to observe the events of the pandemic, not taking it too seriously. Obviously, it's been terrifying for some people. People have lost their job. People have lost loved ones. People have died. But I think, I wonder whether, well, I suppose my pet theory on the fact that you're still pretty mentally composite is that you have a functioning relationship and a wife and a family and you have kind of uh, sob sobriety of a sort. Do you know what I mean? Like you have a, a kind of a well, <laughs> I said of a sort. Right? <laughs> but you have you have a core. Do you know what I mean? You have a center. You've got like a, yeah. a, a a core. So let's go with those things for now. Those are sort of all there, all of a piece. 
And I'm okay. going to have to turn one of them into a question, but I'm not quite sure how. Talk okay. to me. Talk to me about your your core. You're like you're you're kind of you're pretty centered. You've been with Trudy forever. Your yeah. kids are grown, and you're. Yep. And so you've been able during the pandemic to kind of what hunker down and go. Okay, this is this is me. This is the team. Okay. Well. Okay. When I when I look at the pandemic, there were a few kinds of people. Okay. There were. I was very very lucky that because what you just said is dead on. My kids are grown up, so I had my son uh, Mason, who is twenty five, and his girlfriend. Uh, because they could, they just come back from Thailand. They were living with us in in uh, London when we decided we were going to London when the when the when the anomaly hit <laughs> and dropped a bomb on the world, and so we all moved back up to my Waco bunker, uh, you know the the Tom stayed Waco bunker up in Edinburgh. So I had. I had my son, uh, his girlfriend, uh, Trudy, and me. So we were very lucky because if any one of us was losing our shit, do you know what I mean? There were three other people there to make sure we knew what reality was. Do you know? Like mm-hmm. so, so if you had your family, and I don't know if that goes for everybody, but I was thinking if you had your family, at least you might have had that option. But then there were the people that were so on their own. There was nobody there. It would have been like living in an insane asylum in their own head. So, uh, so there's that side of it too. When when it when it comes down to where your core is, and and at least being with with uh, Trudy and Annie and Mason, um, there was always the talk about what was going on. Do you know what I mean? So so I could validate an opinion or 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 whatever. And, and my kids, uh, you know, as much as I, uh, they are actually pretty intelligent people because they've gotten to hang around with people like us for so long since they were tiny, tiny people. And and for them, and, and for us, it was so interesting because I got the perspective from a young person. Oh, man, you know, like they don't care, man. They never cared about this. Pen. As soon as they heard it wasn't killing them, <laughs> uh, they're... they're there, you know, you know, you only think about yourself when you're 20. Like, oh, you know, well, I miss grandma, but whatever. Sure, sure. <laughs> she was always going to go. Bye. Um, and, and then there was, you know, the worried side of Tom, who, like you said, uh, you know, I was like on the side of, well, I know what I've done to my body. And I believe this is a lung disease if I had to break it down to the core. And I don't feel the two pieces of tar that are pumping in my chest right now <laughs> need another adversary. So so for us, it was all about at least we kept the communication going. And there were so many beautiful arguments on, on each side, but but none of us really took a side. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? We were just sort of listening to each other and go, oh, that's really valid. Or, you know, oh, I get that. You know what I mean? Whereas... Whereas I watched, um, I don't know if this is relating to the question, but it, it kind of is, where I've watched, and then, so that's where I'm at, but then I'm watching all my friends and everything, like you had said, because uh, to me, to be a comedian, you can't take a side. You can't take a side on anything 
because if you take a side, there's always the opposite side that'll, you know, drop you, drop you in the shit, man. And I, and I've watched the, the righteousness, the righteousness of, of people who are, who lost their minds during it and actually decided that they knew how many marbles were in the jar and they were going to tell all of us how many marbles were in the jar. And, <laughs> and the same with the other side. You know what I mean? I, I watch people tell me that they're a vaxxer or they're an anti, you're not an anti vax You're not a vaxxer. You, you you made a decision, but it doesn't define who you are, man. And and but to them it did. So so for me it was just I was just very lucky that I didn't get trapped into that way of thinking because I do have a family that that keeps me on the right side and yeah. always always will sit there and chuck out at the end of it. Any con- why the fuck do you even care so much about this, man? You're gonna <laughs> die soon, <laughs> and all of it's meaningless, you know. So I think that I think that's where I'm at. I don't know where you were at, Stu. I I know you're married and all that sort of yeah. stuff. I don't know how you felt about like where your center was so you didn't lose your mind yeah 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 i i nearly lost my mind but i kind of um i might i have two so the last time we podcasted that was two children ago for me i've got two young children five and three and uh, yeah. and so I I kind of well they're obviously dumb now because they had to be homeschooled by you. <laughs> fortunately, fortunately they were homeschooled by my wife, and if anything, they're doing less well at school. Um, oh. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to clarify that in case she listens to this. What I mean is, she was doing better teaching, obviously, in a one to one basis than with like you know thirty yeah. kids. So when... you still want to get laid tomorrow? <laughs> you say. Yeah. So I I suppose yeah for me. My my center was absolutely in my family and in and and for sure in a lot of privilege, right? Like I'm I had I was one of those comics. I felt like the people who survived, comedians who didn't immediately have to go and drive a van or work in a you know stack shelves or something, yeah. were people who either were famous, had big social media reach, or a podcast. And I had a podcast, right. so I, I you know yeah. that bought me enough time to invent other things to do. I was very very lucky. So, it, I mean, I suppose that's my next question. That idea of of not taking either side, I understand that artistically because that's the kind of sacred fool position. You know, you're the jester. You can't say mm-hmm. I'm for or against the king. You have to be able to mock all the things, um, each each side. But do you are there any are there any elements of like you like to talk? You like to talk to people about yeah. their about what they're you know what they're thinking, how they see the world. Is there any, do you ever feel any pressure from without or within to take a side? Because there are some things that are more important than your position as a comedian. Well, okay, okay. I do have my own personal beliefs, but I would never force them upon anyone else, you know, because I still live with my, uh, I'll never forget it. Me and my uncle Ali and my cousin Susan came out of a bar and like I've like, and this is going back, and it, and it, this one just stuck with me till this day, man. And and 
And I had to leave, and everyone was pressuring me to leave that bar, to stay in that bar. But I really had to go that day. And my Uncle Allie told me, leave Tom alone, because Tom knows what's good for Tom, and Susan knows what's good for Susan, and that's where it ends, man. So whenever I think about my, when you're talking about my personal position, do you know what I mean? I don't know what you've gone through. I don't know what you've done to uh, uh, get to whatever conclusion you've had because everybody's lived a life and everybody has a, 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 an opinion on it. It's just um, like my, my personal opinion is, is that the pandemic is way worse on social media than it is out in the real world. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. when, it, when it, I mean, I got off of Facebook because they kicked me off of Facebook for some reason because they they said, "Hey, could you prove who you are?" and and I put up a out of date driver's license <laughs> with my name, and then they told me I wasn't welcome in the Facebook community anymore. Okay. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? So, and it really bugged me because I'm really into the Oculus Quest VR shit, okay. and you need you need Facebook to be <laughs> on it. So I, they didn't even give me my three hundred bucks where the game's back so i had to sneak back on it and uh <laughs> so i can play this but i left it when i left it this is when it all came right back to me when i left it um number one it was weird because i was really panicked man i was panicked for about three or four days oh my god i'm not on Facebook. I'm not on social media. I don't know what's going on out there. How how will I ever live? <laughs> what? And then and then about three or four days later, I went. What the fuck are you doing, Tom? You're fifty. Jesus Christ! This is what are you, a teenage girl that got booted off of Instagram? <laughs> and I'm gonna what call of late. So when I left it. Because when I was on it, that's when the pandemic really kept coming into my, you know, like with every opinion, every time I posted something, there'd be a Brendan Walt, whatever would come in with, how can you think like that? And then, but defend my position and, you know, vaccines are safe. You don't know what my coliosis is and your blood clotting, right? And then as soon as I left it, uh, and I started just hanging out with people. And to be honest now, I really don't know anyone that's died from it personally. I never know. I don't know anyone that I know people that have had it, but I mean, having it and dying from it are two different things. Like I've always hated that statistic. I've always hated the statistic that 800,000 people have it. Did they all survive? Yep. <laughs> Well, who cares then? <laughs> like, what? Oh, okay, tell me how many had the flu. And But I've also not known anyone that's died from having the vaccine either. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? So so it, 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 it just, I think once, once I got off of that stuff, then all of a sudden I started coming back to the real world instead of this simulation world that seems to be going on out there. Like if you, in, in Facebook, man, they're bringing people out in wheelbarrows and just chucking them in the middle of the fucking street. And, 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 and you get a jab and all of a sudden your professional athlete life is over. And, you know, it's just, and, and it just, it doesn't, it, it it tries to represent what the real world is. But yeah. once you get out of it, you start seeing that, 
You know, I mean, it might be out there. You know, I'm not saying it isn't out there, and I'm not saying that people haven't had uh, probably tragic. I just don't know who they are. Mm -hmm. I just I haven't seen them. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you this. I heard JoJo Sutherland had it. And and I know what kind of a party check that gal is. She should have been dead. If it was the, the deadliness, you know. And I'm like going, if that woman survived it, then I think we're all going to be okay. <laughs> you okay. Know? okay. Okay. I think we'll be okay, man. Yeah. But that's just again my opinion. I wouldn't force. You asked how I feel about sure. this personally, yeah, yeah. and that's how I feel about it personally. Personally, it's probably out there. But uh, and the other thing that keeps making me laugh is like what England hasn't gone through plagues and pandemics before. Like you know, like you guys are the king of Plague Island. You've had rats kill you, <laughs> bat, a bat tried to kill me. It was rat. To me, this is very pandemic light to English people. <laughs> oh <my> okay, <laughs> you know it's pandemic light, man, because. You know, even if you do die, I mean, at least you don't have boils on your face. <laughs> you know, don't touch me. <laughs> you know, uh, and so it's and it's funny. And it, but but most of the time, uh, it, it does go to the old prayer thing where you you know uh, worry about the things you can do something about. Yeah. And if you can't do anything about it, then it's really it shouldn't even take up your mind. So I only ever worry about the people on my left and my right and that's about it yeah. man everybody else to themselves you know what i mean how did you how did you cope i mean you have been and when did you start gigging have you been gigging for like three decades yeah 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 we started <laughs> back in 89 i believe is is when i started oh my so, god yeah, hey, the is, last the last year of the 80s that's like people who started their business in 1999 <laughs> do you know what I mean just yeah. one in just one in one before <laughs> Been gigging. Tom's been gigging since the eighties, and over that yeah. time, I mean, you like you've probably. I would, I would, I would uh, assume that you haven't had as long of a break from live stand up. So what oh. was the, what was the effect on you? Did you like it? Did you that, miss it? Did you uh, relish the rest? Okay, that you know, you'll feel this as much as I do because you love this business as much as I do. I know you do, Stu. I can even remember your first gig, dude. I remember your first gig at a bar. It, it was above a bar. You were just starting out. You're bragging about how good looking you were. And I thought it was, I thought the arrogance of it was the best, man, because I knew you were taking the piss out of yourself. But I can still remember that first gig, you know. <laughs> Because believe it or not, for some reason I've become an elder statesman. Ah, <laughs> yes, yes. All the, all the little soldiers show up, oh. and now they're colonels and they're lieutenants and all of this sort That's of stuff. That's great. Whatever. What a love! I love you know? just just to interrupt on that. I love that analogy because you do, and you know, I hope I live long enough and stay in it long enough to become an elder statesman. And then the next thing is, um, uh, I, I Mike Wilmot will never let me forget. I once uh, I said I, he was on a, he was headlining a bill, and I was emceeing, and I said, um, I said, coming up, we've got a we've got a young buck, we've got a guy who's kind of on the upper sort of prime of his life, and then we've got an aging warhorse, <laughs> and Mike. Wilmot <laughs> like, I think that's the one beyond and elder statesman. Just let's just stay on that for a minute. How does that feel becoming an elder statesman in comedy and seeing it all change and move and the dynamics shift? 
Like, and you must have seen yeah. lots and lots of changes. Lots of like, this is the new, these are the new cool kids. No, these are the new cool kids. No, these are the, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You've seen that a few times. Well, yeah, of course, man. Um, the, well, number one, you know, it's an honor. Let's just also say that because the only reason I'm here is it, it is because of your fans, but it isn't. It, your fans are only there because your peers have propped you up. Do you know what I mean? Okay. If you don't have, if you don't have the 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 acceptance of your peers in this business, you're going nowhere, man. Because they will crush you, man. <laughs> they will crush you. That started, you, that started off as such a positive concept, and then it became it, really it dark. Is a posi- <laughs> it is a positive concept because that's the nature of this beast, man. Think about all the guys that have come and that were not liked by, I mean, obviously a few snakes get through, but for the most part, this is a self-regulating business. <laughs> you know, okay. this is, we, we, we take care of our own and all that. So that's what I'm really, uh, I, I really like the fact that I made it this far, which means, you know, the, 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 the and that means a lot to me. That means a lot to me. The other part is, is that, I do love seeing the different generations. I do love the fact that I I have watched us now uh, do such a total flip. There are words that I could say in the 80s uh, that I can't say now, and there were words that I can't couldn't say in the 80s that I can totally say now. Like, so like it's what? like, like a, what what couldn't you it, say then that you can say now? Why don't you shut up, you dumb cunt? (laughs) (laughs) You could swear. You could say motherfucker. I mean, you could say it back then, but you couldn't. Because you, you, it was like, um, it was a sanitized kind of comedy. Oh, I see. Do you know what I mean? I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example, okay? And, and this just happened on the tour that I was on, okay? Now, I mentioned the wokeness. I don't like to get too into it because it's not my fight. Do you know what I mean? It, it really isn't my fight. It's, it, it's the young kids scrapping it out. Um, you know, do you want to be a BBC presenter or do you want to be a Doug Stanhope? Do you know what I mean? And that's a real personal choice on on who you are do you know what i mean and not, okay. neither one's right neither one's right and neither one's wrong it's i had an epiphany uh Stu, is during the lockdown i thought um I, I i really meditated on the word political correctness because that's what this is all about yeah and i thought what is the core to political uh correctness the core is inappropriateness do you know what I mean? That's what political correctness masks. It's a, it's like a boogeyman mask that inappropriateness puts on to scare people, right? And to me, comedy has always been about being inappropriate. Name me, name me one thing that somebody has belly laughed at that was super appropriate. One thing. Sure. Okay. I, yeah, you know? I take your point. So, so to me, to me, when you walk into that hallowed ground that is a comedy club, 
Are you going there looking for appropriateness? Because you can get appropriateness anywhere. You can go to your grandma's house. You can go to your brothers. You can go to your pregnant wife. You, of course, there's all of that stuff where, where that wokeness really belongs. Do you know what I mean? Because it's the respectfulness of your fellow man out in the real world. But as soon as you try and bring it into a comedy club, it's like masking uh, it's like tying a comedian's hands and it's also tying the hands of the audience because the inappropriateness is the relief. As long as it's not hate and it comes from such a playful place, that's where me and the new generation are going to draw a line and I'm going to understand them but I will be on the side of inappropriateness because that, oh, come on, man. You want him to slip on the banana peel or do you want to make it? Oh, God, thank God he made it. He stepped on it, but he survived. Oh, that was so funny. Or did he step on the banana peel and crack his skull? And we all went, what an idiot. That's hilarious. So this is Tom. Uh, loads of fun talking to Tom. Uh, he's just one of those guys that just, he just oozes warmth. And we will talk a little bit at the end of this episode about charisma uh, and whether it's something you can learn. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about his stoner reputation and uh, find out whether or not that holds him back professionally um, and get into far more stuff. There's no extras from this episode. Uh, this is It's all on the table for you here. But you can, of course, join the Insiders Club if you go to comedianscomedia.com slash insiders uh, to get extra content from all the episodes that have it and I mean frankly loads of them do these days we've got extras from Philippa Perry from Pierre Novelli that's the stuff on um, on corporate gigs that's some fascinating extras there um, stuff from Adam Rowe uh, where we talk about the success of his and Dan Nightingale's Have a Word podcast which I believe just celebrated something massive like 5 million downloads in something like 2 years so well done to them um, we've got extras as well from Jonathan Coulton um, uh, talking about the book Free Culture and how you need to be how you get to be so successful you get your own cruise uh, and extras recently a recent episode with Queeve McDonald where we talk about uh, Queeve's secrets of self-publication and why he won't record his own audiobooks all of those are available plus the extra content from every episode that has it uh, all when you join the Insiders Club for just £2 a month or as much more than that as you'd like to spend as some of you very kindly do thank you always to you um, you can find that at comedianscomedian.com slash insiders. Go to tomstade.com or follow at tomstade on Twitter to find out what Tom's up to and uh, count yourself among his legion of fans. Let's hear more from Tom. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Wait a sec. You should know what you can get away with. I totally agree yeah. with that. Like you just mentioned Patrice. Patrice got away with quite a few things that he shouldn't have gotten away with. That's, that's no, you're but not wrong. Because not wrong. he's Patrice. I mean, how dare him talk about why can't we sexually harass you? That doesn't have a a color or uh, that that is sure. an actual yeah, he did. topic. He did. He did. And yet he gets away with it and it's fine because he knows what he can get away mm-hmm. with. And that's what we appreciate about Totally, him. totally. So and you're, I- you're dead right yeah. about the who. I agree. You know what I mean? I, I totally, totally agree. There are some topics I will stay clear of. But if I feel like using a cheeky little naughty adjective... <laughs> to uh, chuck down some truth, then I feel that I'm going to go for the risk, man. Just the best thing about being a comedian is when you do get away with something. Do you know what I mean? But it's not like I'm, it's not like you're laying down the whole, uh, you know, I still talk about what I know. Do you know what I mean? The same way as Patrice would talk about what he knows. Like I, I talk about my son making me feel like a loser during lockdown, making me realize, you know, I, I talk about, you know, going into the bathroom and buying a cock ring at a fucking moto. Do you know? Like, I mean, I stick to who I am. Yeah. But come on, man. I'm allowed to take a little piece from the gay community every now and then. I'm allowed to take a little piece from the black community or the Indian community without being called, a, what is it, cultural appropriation or, or whatever it is. I like to, to take little pieces, but would I ever claim to talk about their lives? Not a chance, man. Because again, back to Ali, they know what's good for them. And I know what's good for me, man. So, so it's this. We got into a really interesting conversation, and and you know what? Here's the other thing. I, you're right. I really don't have to worry about that that much anymore. Do you know what I mean? I just don't. I, I, I find it interesting for the younger comedians who have to deal with this more than I ever had to do. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the 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 comedians like when you're young, you always have. Um, your your problems with comedy. Do you know what I mean? Your problems with whatever it is, what you can and you can't say. But imagine being 18 now and starting now knowing there's all these new rules that have come into place. You know, uh, they're either going to be really shit or super awesome because they're going to be the ones that are going to figure out, just like we did, how to get around these rules or they're going to play by the rules, you know, and then we'll find out where they, uh, you know, just where they where they settle into their well, place maybe, in Well, maybe business. what I would say is they are if they're young, male, white 18-year-olds, but also they're going to be surrounded yeah. by a diversity of uh, talent that you That's or I the- never grew up in as comics. Like, the fact is now, if you look at, if you look <clears throat> at who's going off at the moment amongst the comics in their early 20s, 
there are voices that mm-hmm. we've never heard from, and there's fucking loads of them. Yeah. So I would think more, oh. more like for every for every white guy who's going, oh, what can I say? I want to be really naughty, but I don't know what I can say. There are like six more acts on the yeah. bill who are smashing it, who aren't even worried about that because that you know what I mean? Because they're, they're yeah. not in that position at all. <laughs> I own my privilege, dude, man. I I remember that argument coming up. Everybody sits there and feels guilty about it. I'm like, what? I get to go on an airplane without having a finger up my ass? Thank you, universe. I don't know how this happened. You've got white privilege. You bet I do. Now get the fuck out of my way, man. Boom. But but I'll say this, man. You're, 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 You're dead right. To be... Now, uh, a comedian is also way tougher because, you know, the inclusiveness is what I love, man, because I've always been for that, man. I've always been big. And and I think most people in show business are for the inclusiveness because, you know, when, when people say comedians are racist or homophobic, I'm like, bullshit, man. Bullshit. We've had to share green rooms with all different types of people. <laughs> I'm just going to pick you, know you up I mean? on the word like, had like, to. We had to share green rooms. <laughs> against our will. We're not racist. Yeah. We had to share green rooms. Yeah. <laughs> God, this guy's making me feel uncomfortable <laughs> with his with his opinions and ideas <laughs> that I crave because I couldn't get that out in the real world. <laughs> Right. But but yeah, we shared green rooms with so many different mm-hmm. uh, types of people from the world. So we have a cosmopolitan view of things. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Say if I'd worked in a mill and saw the same people doing the same thing, you know, there, there's, you know, that, that's my group. I lie with them and and whatever they're thinking, I'm probably going to be thinking the same. But our group is very... You know, when they talk about transgender people or whatever, I've seen we've we've been in like they're my friends. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that they're all my friends. All these people you talk about are all my mm-hmm. friends, right? And that's that's my crew. My crew is very diverse and very inclusive. But now, now uh, you've got this uh, beautiful thing going on where you know probably. 10 years ago, even 20 years ago, it wouldn't have been happening. But now, you know, I like the fact that I'm seeing uh, all the different people. Like, I don't think Bethany Black would have been able to get on TV, what, 15 years ago? And now the rules and the goalposts have changed to the point where uh, these voices are finally being heard. Now... I think it's in its initial stages. I really do believe that. I think because we're heading out into territory we know nothing about and we don't want to sit there and go, well, he's just on stage because of. I mean, talent has to always be there. But trust me, talent is fucking there, man. Like the the people that I've seen uh, destroy, Josh Jones is one of my favorite, mm-hmm. by the way. I party with that little kid. Awesome. <laughs> But at least we're now here where, uh, you know, you can't, you're not just going to get up on stage because of who you are or who you know. Yeah. You actually have to bring your A game now because there's that person's bringing his A game from that point of view or that person's bringing his A game from this new point of view. 
and and it's and it's going to be it's oh well you I can't wait to see in the next ten years or so how this is going to pan out, but I'll be watching. I'll be sitting there watching, you know, but it's, it's just, it's good. Of course it's good because, and, and to go back to the social media thing, that's how it all happened. Yeah. 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 That's one good thing that's happened. Like for all the bad things, that is one dynamite thing that social media has created. It's created a voice for a lot of diverse people. Now, now do we, do we swing it over to the edge where it's, like too far and it's not centered. Do you know what <laughs> no, I mean? No, I don't know what you mean. And, <laughs> you mean, oh, do okay. we have too much diversity? What does that mean, Tom? <laughs> Could me? Yeah. Yes, do we have too much diversity? <laughs> Tom said, I listen to a podcast. Tom Stain, no more Tom diversity. Stain says there's too I'm much diversity and we should make sure there's still room for 50% white men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, just, it's, it's like your... Yeah, yeah, I don't want this to sound wrong because now that you've said that, it makes me feel a little bit weird. But yet, but yet, the pendulum can swing a little too far to one side before it finds where it's supposed to be. You know what I mean? But I, I also don't like to keep using that word white male and all that sort of stuff. You know, I mean, that is my group, but it's it's just another tribe and a bunch of other yeah, tribes. Yeah, sure. But I mean, the reason I use it and, is because it's, it's and, the tribe and, and, who've and had the dominant voice. if you're going to ask me to apologize... <laughs> For his oh, I apologize for history. I'm sorry it was us, man. It could have been, uh, and you know what? Also, you know, in over if you go over, we only see it because this is our culture. We only see our bad things. But what you're saying? You go over to, uh, you know, like the Japanese aren't too fucking friendly with the Chinese because of a few things that they did. Do you know what I mean? It's just the fact that. We're 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 moving to where we're moving to, and acknowledging what we did is all fine. But you can't take it yeah. back. Do you know what I mean? You can't take it back, but you can go forward. And and I think that's where we're at right now. And we're kind of we're kind of seeing that in the comedy world. Let's, yeah. let's. I don't know. I don't know. Or maybe not. Or maybe fuck <laughs> you. Get off my stage, asshole! <laughs> Jesus Christ! Where's my General Lee <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about your tour. The tour is called uh, I Don't Want Too Much Diversity. And it's... Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where are you? Where are you? Where, where are you? Where are you in the tour? Let's talk about the tour. Uh, we're almost, we're almost done. We're coming to the end, man. We're coming to the end. We all, we went to, we went through, uh, we went, whatever to all the little towns in in the uk but we're ending it pretty much on the third and the fourth of december at uh, leicester square theater and all that sort of stuff so it's tom state i have too much diversity (laughs) (laughs) i just i wanted to go back to victorian times (laughs) i want to be like my grandmother (laughs) yeah um so yeah it's just it's gonna end up in December, and it's like it's really good. I feel, I feel that we're hitting critical mass okay, now. Man. Okay, I feel that we're hitting the the word of mouth over ten years now because because I, I haven't really been on the BBC or the TV for a little mm-hmm. while because everybody's been calling me a goddamn stoner. <laughs> Do you think years. that's interesting? <laughs> you, I mean, fuckers. I know, I, like, I feel that you're joking, but is there an element of truth in that? Do you think that's little bit there well come on but if you're a bbc exact 
And if you're like one of these executives, even though I've never failed you, I've never done a bad job on any of your shows, uh, but you you keep hearing, oh, Tom State, I love that guy, big partier, love it. It's not really that great for boardroom meetings. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it does, that's I don't, interesting. I don't sound really reliable, even though my track record... Mm. Is super reliable. My track record out there is, I, I think maybe one time on Mock of the Week was, I, I, it was my first time and I got buried. I got buried like so bad. But, you know, that's just one talking head show. But as for the stand-up mm. parts, I've never failed them. But but you you have a, it's that thing. It's that, it's the same, I get you know, it's a it's a devastating word mm. for me, but yet I have to also own it because it's kind of what yeah. I am. You know what I mean? In a way. And, and you do know? you to what extent? So, to what extent do you think <laughs> is this based? Is this theory that that's why you're not you haven't been getting so much work recently? Is that based on like really no. concrete evidence, or is it the paranoid delusion of a stoner? No, that's not what I mean. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what what I. What? Oh my god! No, no. Did he, did he just say that? <laughs> what, what I mean, like, what I mean is, like, to what extent is that your kind of pet theory, your assumption, and to what extent is like, has anyone said we were in the meeting and the the person at the top said, "Tom, stay. He's a stoner. I'm not interested." Like, what? Or, or, because I think all of us we create a kind of understanding of the world. We have our own idea of our narrative and our our, our career narrative. Yeah. And if things, I mean, if things aren't happening for any one of us because there is such an influx of new comedians or tastes change or evolve or, you know, that like the world moves on. Like you can't stay doing, like not all of us, there is not room for all of us who are on TV to stay on TV forever. Like to what, ex exactly. to what extent is it, to what oh, extent sorry. is it, is it your assumption, your belief, to what extent is it like something concrete or is it you're like, well, hang on, I'm smashing every gig I do. I mean, I just I watched I, I watched I yeah. swear, which is just brilliant. You know, it's like it's available. It's like an hour and twenty five minutes, uh, directed by your son. I notice, um, and great. Yeah. Oh, wait till you see the new oh, one yeah? that he yeah. did, man. The, oh God, the newest one. I'm glad you said that. That's one of my biggest joys too. Was working with my me and my son. It's like it's like a mechanic and his son working on a car together. That's so great. It's, except this is our car. All right, son, you got to do that. And and he, we just did the, this. We filmed this new one and mwah, world class, dude. This next show is world. It's so good. But anyway, sorry to go back to. to so that's available online for free. Yeah. People can watch that on your website. Yeah. Tomstate.com, I assume. I don't have Or just me, YouTube but... it, man. It'll be great. You go have a good laugh, man. You've, all of this evidence abounds of you smashing it, top of your game. Yeah. So just so it is is that it? Is it just it's just what you feel? You think the stoner thing's a bit of a milk? I I think I remember Mike uh Mike Mike uh, Bullard way back. I know you don't know who he is, but he was a talk show host in Canada that we did a lot of. And he was like he 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 pretty much said it. When you do those things, you're only going to get to this level. Do you know what I mean because people are going to have a perception of you and if that's the perception they want of you, that's fine, but understand that that's what it is. Do you know what I mean? And and so now that I'm older and I'm kind of not, you know, I mean, my rep 
my uh, my reputation of my younger years uh, precedes me into my older years because when yeah. you hear the stories of me younger, I'm proud of them. But if you think I can do that at 52, 51, you know what I mean? You're out of your mind, man. <laughs> you know, you are absolutely crazy because uh, I wouldn't want to do that in the first place. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that's another time and all that. But that will always, um, it will help me in some ways. Also, don't get me wrong, it'll help me in a lot of ways when it comes to my fan base, when it comes to the people that I've cultivated over the years, because I was lucky enough to at least have the catalyst at the time, and mm. I used it to the best of my ability, the Apollos and the whatever, the fucking uh, road shows and all that, which, which sort of push the rolling rock down the hill, which a lot of people don't even get that. Do you know what I mean? They mm -hmm. don't even get those one or two moments that could start something, you know? So, so the fact is, is that I'm also really grateful that those two things happened because it gave me the ability to start cultivating an actual fan base of my own to the point now where even though I haven't really been on the BBC or, or any of those shows, at all, you know, and my fans would actually be really disappointed to tell you the truth if I was on one of those. Oh, because shows. it's not very counterculture. No, it isn't. So I'm kind of trapped going, you know, you know, so they would, they would probably go, when did Tom fucking sell out and do that piece of shit? Uh, so, but, but the fact of the matter is to go back, uh, I was grateful for the opportunity to to go on to those shows. And now we're at this point where word of mouth has gotten around so much that we've sold out West End theaters now. And mm -hmm. and 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 to me, to me, that's what I mean by critical mass. We're starting to hit that point where uh the only other option I had was to be get bigger than the establishment itself so that it can't ignore you anymore. So I'm not mm -hmm. knocking on the door. They're knocking on my door. So that's mm -hmm. where I think we're heading. In, if, you're, if you're looking at it career-wise, do you know what I mean? That's, that's mm -hmm. Whether that happens or not, or it's just the fantasy of a stoner mind. <laughs> oh, that's how it's going to happen. Excellent, <laughs> you know. But that's that's. I think that's where we're. That's where we're at. You know what I mean? That's. Uh, you know. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because you are you are kind of really well placed to. I suppose what do I mean? I'm agree. I, I totally agree with you, and I think it's the nature of. Like comics in your position who who were say twenty five but had your skill set mm. had your ability mm. say were were that to be possible, yeah. but uh, but uh, you hear that, youngsters. but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, but people now would be going. You have to build a colossal social media oh, yeah. presence. Now you don't. I don't think you have a colossal social media presence, but you've got twenty years worth of gigging and building a crowd and them sticking with you. You know what? So, somebody said it to me, and I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was really beautiful on how how the business has changed, where a guy like me will use social media to get people to the gigs, 
and the younger people will use the gigs to get them to social media. Do you know <laughs> yeah, what sure. I mean? It, <laughs> yeah. It's such yeah. a it's such a mindset that it shows that I probably don't really understand the new business that's coming out, around, or nor should I. I mean, I try to. Of course, I do. I don't, I don't want to. I also don't want to be one of them old guys that that it just becomes irrelevant. That doesn't like what? What so don't mean? That's stupid. You dumb fuck. Instagram, like that's gonna help you. You know, I don't want to be that guy. But but I did understand that man. I totally understand because the more people they get on social media, then the more, but you can't get those people unless you go to the show and perform. That's why they always said, follow me on social media. Follow me. Hi, I'm Tom State. I'm at mm-hmm. TomState.com, whatever. TomState.com and TomState. That's where my social media is. Um, but but I, I understand that, and that that's the that's the changing of comedy. And there's the other thing. Even though we've talked about all of this sort of stuff, um, comedy's always going to change, man. It's always going to change. And you you've either got to be like water and flow with the motherfucker, or you be one of these old guys that just is this rock in the middle of this ocean that just doesn't want to move, and eventually it's just going to get eroded away, anyways. You know what I mean? So, so for me, I'm, I'm trying to flow with everything the best I can. And the one thing I do like is I think a lot of the young kids are giving me a little bit of leeway because they know I'm coming from a, 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 a really good place, man. And I hope I can inspire a couple of them just to be a little bit counterculture. And say and say those things that are naughty, and I'm I'm pretty sure there are there from from what I've seen out there. It's like, and here's the other thing about every generation: there's going to be about ten, fifteen, twenty percent of really wicked comics, and then there's going to be eighty percent shit out there. You know what I mean? But those twenty percent are going to go to. To, to head to greatness and and change the game like the Danny Slosses of the world. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. the, and mm-hmm. I mean I know people don't like Hannah Gatsby or they absolutely love her, but she's a game changer. She's a game mm-hmm. changer, whether you like it or not. That girl uh, has a voice now, and it was a unique voice and all that. But then again, you've also got a Dave Chappelle out there who's also a game changer. Do you know? But he's of a He's from my generation, <laughs> whereas Hannah really and Hannah is from this one, and that's an, that. That's been an interesting. He's he's putting on the fight that he believes to be true. Do you know what I mean? And 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 it's just to watch that clash. Well, every comic is watching that clash, aren't we now? Because we were we definitely don't want to be them. Do you know what I mean? I do not want that burden on my shoulders, but I understand both sides of the argument definitely on that because it's kind of what we've been talking about. The What language? Not not the specific words each, but what language? And I think you nailed the, the best. It's the who that's important. It really oh, yeah. is the who that's important. You know, fucking hell. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Let's Let's just talk about what did I want to talk about? Last time we saw each other, last time we had this podcast, you were writing Tramadol Nights. Yeah. 
And you were telling me it was going to change the world. And it didn't. And some of it was so good, but it didn't change the world. Just talk to me about that journey, because I remember you saying, like, this is it. I'm out of here, Stewie. This is it. I'm writing on this thing. It's the funniest fucking thing. It's so dangerous. sitcom and stuff. so edgy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just talk to me a little. I'm just interested on the inside track of your journey within that, because, Mm -hmm. like, it it had everything. And it's really funny. And it just got... Some of it's really funny. I mean, mean, I'm (laughs) I'm like, come on, there's some absolute pieces and turds in there. But, I mean, for the first attempt, but, I mean... If you really want to think about it, that was the first time cancel culture showed up at around that time, man. Because you know, oh, you know what the Harvey thing, of yeah, course, sure. man. Of course, yeah. you you made fun of. Uh, uh, well, you know, I've got two thoughts on this. By the way, two thoughts. Once you're in the public eye, don't don't think that everybody's gonna love you. Okay, if you put mm-hmm. yourself out in the public eye, you can't sit there and go, everybody loves me because they don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, but is it a worthy target? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Was it a worthy target to to go at? You know what I mean? And and so so to watch to to watch something that had wings to it get clipped so early do you know what i mean mm-hmm. was was a real was a real shocker for me but in the end it's another little notch in my belt too that mm-hmm. i was a part of one of the most dangerous little sitcoms that got banned how cool is that <laughs> like like how awesome is that like yeah oh yours went for 13 series ours is so good they couldn't even air it anymore <laughs> <laughs> well, that, you know, do you know what I think it, the, for me the, the wider the bigger picture of that is about your mentality and about always finding something to laugh about yeah in 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 upset you know in things that could have maybe that would have opened doors maybe that would have kind of turned maybe it did Who maybe knows? it totally did maybe it did maybe, maybe it, it did. did maybe, maybe it did. there's things that I'm not even aware of that it helped I mean it does give you kudos man to say that you were a writer on a show you were starring in a mm-hmm. sitcom you mm-hmm. you've done all these things you know what I mean it's got that it's got that to it you know I mean it's something else that we've done you know yeah. but then yeah, again yeah, yeah. then again. It's also, you know this too, Stu, every little thing like that is a notch in your belt that makes you feel good about yourself that you've done something in comedy. Do you know, like, mm-hmm. like for you, for you podcast, I'm pretty sure you've done a lot of TV shows. I'm pretty sure you've, you've done uh, comedy shows where you're just sort of going, oh my God, was I just on TV? Did a million people just see me? Notch 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 in your belt but it, the notch is no different from the first time you ever walked on stage because that yeah, was almost right. if you didn't do that if you didn't do that notch all these other notches wouldn't even fucking be here so you know one isn't any better than the other ones you know i have that's it's interesting i have a theory which is that comedians are really everyone <clears throat> thinks comedians are brave and i think we're all brave once when we first set a foot on set foot on stage, and then we shrink back and go, "What does everyone else do?" Now I'm a comedian. What do all the comedians do? Rather than pursuing that kind of like that bravery that made us step out of the real world and into something exciting. So, how do you feel? Like, do you still do you still put yourself in jeopardy? Do you still scare yourself in that like like that initial first step out there on stage? 
or is it just is it what just, do you mean by kind that of, before i answer i'm not quite sure what you mean like do i still oh, sure. scare myself well do you still make decisions creatively or take risks on stage yeah you know that that remind you of that amount of risk when you were when you were i guess the bravest you've ever been and first stepped out on stage to become a comedian I think. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do actually. I think I I think it's the uh, trusting yourself is the next step in bravery because what I don't know if you feel and this is just me again, but I feel like there's a lot of monologue comedy out there. Do you know what I mean? And and monologue by that I mean, which is fine on TV, which is fine on TV because you gotta sit down with the lawyer and you gotta go. Oh, I can do this joke. You can do that joke. Whatever. It's real, real Robin Williams. Good morning, Vietnam stuff. But when you're in the comedy clubs and all that sort of stuff, and you're actually the bravery to me is that you truly feel that you're a comedian and you you're you riff off of the bare bones that you wrote um the joke that you wrote you feel where it can go within the set on the night and and who knows if you do do that risk then that also becomes part of your monologue for the mm-hmm. night the next night do you know what i mean but the bravery is believing that you're funnier than your material I think would would be where I'm at to the point of going, you know, to the point where, like I say, I said something that I've never said before that got me in a lot of fucking trouble to the point where I'm sitting there having to defend uh, language, you know, so. Sure. But that's that that is that is the bravery. And there's also the bravery to be able to um, keep going night after night, no matter what happens. Do you know what I mean? Like, like a a lot of people, you know, uh, we're so used to dying now that it's kind of fun for us. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's embarrassing (laughs) on a on on a level. Like, if you're there with your peers, and as long as they know you normally rock, and you die a night. They love it. Yeah. They do yeah, love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do. They don't judge you or anything. They but they do went, oh, oh I can miss the mark on that one. You know? But to to be able to go and 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 hit it night after night after night after night, that, that takes a lot out of somebody. And I think that's is that the bravery that we're talking about yeah, here? Yeah, maybe, maybe. You know? I mean, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. This. I'm not fishing for a particular answer. So I don't much know if I got just a wondering. <laughs> for someone, I suppose, for someone of your kind of level of skill, with your ease in front of a crowd, if you look at some of the stuff on I Swear, you know, I can see you. It's just like you're a master craftsperson. You're going, you've got a thing you want to talk about, you bounce into it, you expand it into the audience, genuinely listen to people's answers, genuinely incorporate them, like you say, and kind of build it out. You're kind of always built, building it out rather than shutting it down and going, here's the, here's the, Hit yeah. the script, you know. Yeah. And I I suppose I'm just interested in in the way like because you're so good, does do you ever get to a position where you feel like I'm just gonna go out there and be brilliant at no risk to myself? Do you know what I mean? Like what? you don't are, are you are you risking something anymore? Are you risking not just failure, but are you kind of pushing yourself creatively into new places? Or is there do you ever feel that you that you might be going, well, I'm just, I'll say another show that's about some other stuff. And then I'll go write another show that's about some other stuff. I think, yeah. Are you, are you kind of out there at the edge of your creativity? Okay. We're, well, we're always, we're always writing. 
right? We're always writing the next show. I can tell you right now, I got a great bit on buying a strap-on for Christmas that is going to rock next year. And it's going to rock. <laughs> of course you do. I've told it to so many comedians and they've tagged it off for me so beautifully. It's the <laughs> That's the other thing I love. But you know, what it, you know what it comes down to? And I think I got a good answer for this one. Is earlier, I used to think every show was a make or break show. So I wouldn't risk too much. And then somewhere along the lines, I realized that no, probably 99.9% of them aren't make or break shows. So go out there and have some fun. You know what I mean? Everybody always says this to me. They go, have a good show, Tom. And I always turn to them now and I go, something's going to happen and I'm going to deal with it. And that is how my mentality is when I get out there now. Um, but we're all striving to be as good as the guys we emulate. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. believe it or not, I want to be as good. Like, for me, it's Doug Stanhope, you know? And then for a lot of comedians, I just the fearlessness of that guy, the, the fucking subject matter he takes on is just... That's what comedy's all about to me. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you may agree with him or not agree with him, but the, he's the most inappropriate motherfucker out there that is still making people laugh. These are my the people that I try to get to. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? I want to be up there in their levels. And, and honestly, you'll never really know if you get there because it's hard to judge yourself. But it's nice to hear people like you telling me that at least I'm getting fucking close sometimes. Do you know what I mean? Like to be able to do, to have that fearlessness and have that likability and have that, they accept this from you, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's, that, that that's why the gigs aren't make or break for me anymore. Because if if they are make or break, if every gig is a make or break gig, then I won't risk. If I know that this isn't a make or break gig, then all of a sudden I'm gonna start having a lot of fun out there, man. Yeah. And uh, and I think yeah. that's a that's a that that's a a place where most comedians need to get to, in my mind, you know. Okay, so to wrap up, couple of okay. couple of quick couple of quick questions. Okay. Uh, if you have one quality which got you where you are, besides your your funniness, besides your comic ability, what would it be? Charisma. Something else. My charisma yeah. is off the fucking charts. My charisma has always been off the charts. I've told some really shitty fucking jokes that rocked. And if they were given to anybody else, they would have fucking never been in this business again, man. But but I I think you know some people are great writers some people are this but for me it's my my I I've always known this though man because I've been an actor since I've been eight years old you know what I mean and I I learned at a very early age how to win over friends and I'm like the Dale Carnegie of fucking <laughs> of comedy you know. So, what is it? What is it though? What could you teach it if you had to? Like, imagine some sort of fucking reality show situation where you had to get someone with no charisma to be able to fake charisma. Like, what would you teach them? What is that quality? I don't think you can, dude. I think I think that's just one of those things that somebody has. I mean, 
I don't think you could teach it. You couldn't teach it. But whatever, wherever you grow up around the people that you grow up, you know, they could teach it to you by you having to learn from them how to win them over. But I don't think I could just grab Stuart Goldsmith mm. and sit there and go, uh, here's how to be charismatic. You mm. couldn't do that. You know what I mean? You, for me, it was just growing up in Quinnell and learning how not to get my head fucking kicked in in this small South Park town and win people over and, and make them laugh and all of that sort of jazz that comes with that. So and then and then you move that on to older people and all that. And and in the end, man, in the end, it's all about listening, man. It's I, I it took me a long time to figure that out. But it's all about listening to that other person, because if you give that other person at least five minutes of your time, they will fucking love you, man. And then you'll also learn a lot. Like, you know, I was a big mouth for a really long time because <laughs> I thought you were all stupid and you needed to hear what I had to say. <laughs> oh, the arrogance. But, you know, now... Now, now, now I'm actually gotten down to the point where I'm so interested in other people that, you know, I party with my fans after the show. Last night I was with uh, Jasmine, Gemma, Simon and Dom and and they're this family and Dom's uh, uh, there. The mom was really hammered, which I loved her. I loved her. We were up at the bar and she orders a drink and, and she goes to the bartender, put it on my tab, bitch. And and everybody <laughs> around wanted to apologize for her. But I now have been in that situation going, I'm gonna stick up for her and make her look classy. And I go, You heard the you heard him, bitch. Why don't you put that on a drink? You know, instead, and then when we walked away, you could see everybody going, oh, I'm so sorry. She's just so drunk. And I'm like, what? So drunk in a bar? Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. But I got to know them all, man. And, and it was really, and it was really nice. There was another guy named Mark and uh, his gal, Emma, and I saved Mark's life, apparently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I remember that one. Mark's really interesting because I remember the day he told me he was going to commit suicide. And and I was like, oh, okay, well, how are you going to do it? Because I'm like going, whatever, you know, he goes, I'm just going to run a car in a garage. And I was like, don't do that, man. Okay, if you're going to go out, go out with a bang. The Olympics were on. I said, you run out into the javelin field and catch it with your face. And he started laughing so hard. And then I just gave him the time of day and we ended up laughing at all his weirdo thoughts and it stopped him. And then, and then now he comes to every show and all that sort of stuff. And and then you've got the, the crazy starstruck ones that most people push away, but I bring in even closer because I know they just want to tell me all my jokes and eventually that they, that river runs dry, but it's listening to all these people. And, and, and once you do that, you can become very charismatic because <laughs> all I, of a sudden they love you. I normally wrap up these interviews by asking people if they're happy. And in this yeah. context, this seems like an obvious question yeah. for you. Are there, yeah. are, are there, I suppose, like, are you ever not happy? 
Yeah, what I mean, because all I know, I know you as kind of playful and impish and, you know, just kind of watching the world go by, observing it in a sort of happy position that you've created for yourself, where you're an observer as a, as a Canadian in the UK. You're also, you're kind of inherently an outsider. You get to kind of sit impishly and go, oh, you people. That's, a, you know, you've, you've made a very secure niche for yourself in a similar but different way to how Reginald D. Hunter is, you know, he uses that, that yeah. alienness to, for very different uh, purposes, I guess, in some ways. Um, but like, are you, like when when are you not happy? Uh, when are you unhappy? Are, are, are there kind of long dark nights of the soul, and how do you cope with them? Like how do you get back to this, Tom? Okay, the times that I'm not happy are when I really get involved in myself. Those are the times. There was a there was a guy that said, um, you know, you either you, you you either there's two ways to play this life. There's two ways to play this life. You either believe that you're the name you're given, okay? So when you came to this earth, you believe that you're fucking Stu Goldsmith and 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 you are now tied to that name. And you will be uh you will be a slave to all your desires of Stu, you know what I mean? Uh you'll you'll your sadness, your happiness, you know what I mean? Things I can poke you or you realize, and, and I might be first or last of this party, or you realize that you're playing the part of Stu. Do you know what I mean? So you play it from up here and you can see yourself, you know, and, and when you play it from up here, nobody can really affect me because all you're really doing is giving me another line. And if you believe that you're Stuart Goldsmith, then I'm going to be able to fucking poke holes in you like nobody's business because you really believe that's who you are. So I can get you angry or mad or whatever. But the problem is, is that the illusion is so strong that even though you know that's going on, it's hard not to play the part of the name that you're given. And when I get really, when when I forget that I'm playing this part and really get into the, the crutch of who Tom is, that's when I can go into a lot of depression. And that's when I could fucking... Um, uh, really, really go into the dark side of everything. But at least I have that one saving little bit of light that every now and then I wake up to realize what's going on or somebody wakes me up to realize that, you know, you're not Tom, you're playing this part of Tom, so why are you so melancholy about something that's just another thing in your life? Do you know what I mean? But it's just hard because you you that's what the great part of life is. Do you know what I mean? Is that you can play these two things. And trust me, you know what I mean? When I'm knee deep in Trudy's pussy, I don't want to be sitting there playing it from up here. <laughs> you know? And I love her. I was dearly, about to way. describe That this. was so inappropriate. But look at how it made you laugh. It made him laugh. I, I was about to describe that as an intensely, like a really interesting answer. And thank you so much for that arresting image at the end. Um, <laughs> that is like, that's like sort of high level. That's kind of like Buddhist. That's a sort of Zen in as much as little as I understand Buddhism, but like yeah. a way of recognizing, like a distancing, a reframing of the self. There's the yeah. self and you get caught up in thinking that the ego is the self, but actually you're hovering above that, observing it. I think that's absolutely yeah. fascinating. 
Yeah, and and it keeps you. That's what that's what keeps me uh, in a really good place for for most of the time is because everywhere I go, I play it from up there, and yeah. then and then and then when you're talking to me, right? I have a choice now because if you're not playing it from up here, do you know what I mean? If you're mm. really into stew, mm. then I can look at you and I can say, okay, what would make this guy happy? Oh, I'm going to tell him his wife's really beautiful and what good sure, choices yeah. he's made. And he's, he's a really, oh, oh man, fascinating. Could you tell me more about that? And you're going to love me. Do you know what I mean? Or I could go, this guy's a fucking asshole. Hey, guess what? I just saw that guy fuck your kid last night. <laughs> and you would sit there and be, oh, my God, you can't say that to me. And then I could I could draw that line. But it's like moving somebody around a board like a pawn. But, but in the end, yeah. in the end, in the end, in the end, if you really want to know a really good thing, whenever you're looking at somebody, just always ask yourself, what does this person need from me? And and and, and that's an easy way to take yourself out of it. And and this person needs encouragement. For me, it's it's for me, the person needs to hear he's good at something. Do you know what I mean? And it, and it's important to hear it from me, especially from comedians and all that sort of stuff. So I always want to because I think if I were him, what would I want to hear from me? Would I want to hear I'm an asshole or I don't like your character flaws and all of that sort of stuff? No, man. I'm going to I'm gonna just be your friend, let you be who you are, because that's what I would want you to do for me. And that's one of the easiest ways to also become charismatic. <laughs> Nailed it. I think I sometimes when I'm happy, I have a similar kind of elevated looking down on the self kind of view. And here's yeah. what puts a real spanner in the works. It's to do with my self image and the person I've created for myself. Yeah. I've got I've got fun hair like you do, right? I'm thinning yeah. a little bit. Maybe you are too. Will it? What are you going to do if you lose your hair? Will you still be able to believe in the character of Tom Stade that you're looking down on? Because you're yeah. a stylish, fun character. You know what I mean, like, will it still work if you are no longer the incredibly handsome man that you've been for the last thirty years? Listen, wait till you see bald Tom. He is gonna rock it like no. I'm kind of wait. I'm bored of this guy. This guy. I've been. It's like cats. I've been playing this part for a long time. Hey, could somebody turn me into bald Tom? I want a challenge. <laughs> bald Tom. Yeah, man. Move with the time, Stu. We're water, buddy, and we're moving. So that was Tom Stade. Joyful, joyful to speak to him, um, and uh, I'm very much enjoying uh, him. I was going to say sliding. That would be that would be rude, wouldn't it? I don't mean sliding. What is Tom? How does someone like Tom enter the elder statesman phase of his career? He doesn't slide there. Staggers isn't fair. Swaggers reclines, probably reclines into the elder statesman uh, phase of his career. So thank you once again to Tom for coming on the show. Thank you to Nathan uh, Nathan Wood for uh, editing, uploading, producing the show. Thanks to Jake Crossland for the logging. The music was Rob Smouten and podcast consultant remains in defiance of natural law, Peter Domming. Um, I will post Amble at you in just a moment. 
And uh, But that's all for now. I've got a terrific episode in the bag. Oh, my goodness. So two belters recently that will be coming out over the next couple of weeks. Foil Arms and Hog, finally. You'll get Foil Arms and Hog on the uh, on the podcast. Uh, this is a brilliant uh, uh, Dublin-based three-hander sketch group who aren't YouTubers, but nonetheless have close to a million subscribers on YouTube and churn out excellent content there regularly. Um, lovely boys, and we had a, a great chat with them. Uh, also, Omid Jalili. Brilliant Omid Jalili, household name, comedian, force of nature uh, in very reflective contemplative mood he came on the show earlier today and um, the sound quality of that one is going to be a shame because the recording messed up at his end and we were in full flow and we couldn't stop and check and why would we because we thought it would work but we do keep a backup always keep a backup kids uh, we've got a backup so a, a slightly less than perfect pristine level audio quality uh, version of that will be coming at you soon both of those, both of those episodes are so good, I had the notion to save them up for Christmas. We've also got, coming your way before too long, we've got the uh, the Jimmy Carr episode, which is going to be, ed- I nearly said cobbled, but edited together from three or four different recordings I've got of three or four different live shows that where I interviewed him at length about his book, his process and his innermost thoughts. And uh, although he's been on the campaign trail recently, I really think we got some stuff out of him. Uh, that he certainly felt that he'd never considered before. There's some great stuff about his mates, the kids he went to school with. All of that to come, I will post Amble at you at a moment, in a moment. But for now, thanks for listening. So, I've got so obviously something pretty big happened recently, um, and some of you will know about that, but I have been asked not to mention it or talk about it so as not to... Well, I can't even tell you so as not to what. I did a thing. If you've been following the thing I've been talking about, it went, I think it's fair to say it went pretty bloody well. So that's all I'll say on that, which is a shame because I was looking forward to doing, I was considering even a special episode to talk about the ins and outs, but I shall have to commit them to memory or record one and then not release it for now. Um, we're coming up for episode 400. I've done some jiggling of the the order. Um uh, of uh, sort of release order so I think I'm taking January off and maybe the first week of February as well and I think that means that in the week of March the 10th this podcast will simultaneously celebrate its 400th episode and its 10th birthday what should I do for that suggestions please particularly if you're in the insiders club or in the post amble squad which you can be both but uh, if you bother listening this far then I'm considering you in, in post amble squad um, so uh, what should we do? Who do we do? Do we get... I, here is, I don't even want to bandy around names, but it, it's either it's got to be a sort of Bill Bailey status legend. Do you know what I mean? It's got to be like, I don't know what, someone just colossal and wonderful. Or a dear friend, some sort of friend on of the pod. Or we could go retro and get Rob Deering from episode one. Rob could return. That would be quite fun. Because I do think it's more in keeping with the... Um, it certainly would be in keeping with the principles of the podcast for it to be someone meaningful and joyful uh, rather necessarily than the biggest celeb I can get my hands on. Or it further, also in keeping with, I won't say further, but also in keeping with the, the, the principles of the podcast, which are my principles, let's face it, it would be great to champion someone brilliant who's new. And I have someone in mind who's someone I've got a very soft spot for and who really delights and amazes me as a comic. Um, and uh, I think would be pretty excited. <laughs> it would feel quite nice to tell them, ah, oh, you're the 10th birthday episode. Um, 
but I haven't decided. I haven't decided. So if you have suggestions, even um, even suggestions that aren't particular people, but are ways at, at which I could come at the the old uh, 10 years slash 400 episodes thing. I mean, I've already used up me being on the show. I, I, I uh, gave that away on episode 300. So uh, can't even do that. Um, but what do we do? What do we do for episode 400? Maybe we stop worrying about it and stop giving me homework to do. Maybe it's just an episode. Yeah, maybe the real way to celebrate it would be doggedly just bashing out another bloody episode. Um, but, you know, for all that I spend, like this week, I've had two belters, Foil Arms and Hog and Omid Jalini. Both were great. Both stressed me out. I get back into stress. Like the prep for them stressed me out, made me anxious, all of that stuff. I I, I lumped it for you, but um, I've had a lot on and I... Uh, it's just if they weren't if they didn't always come out so good, I'd be able to stop. But they always come out good, don't they? I think that's going to do me for now. I think as I as I look into the eyes of um, a self portrait of my brother as a Klingon that he uh, penciled for me um, some years ago, which I've uh, ended up putting on a shelf here in the cellar. Um, uh, I think uh, I I'm put in in mind of. Uh, I don't know enough Klingon to be able to throw out some Klingon. Hey, and a thing I may or may not have done recently. You know, you know, I do a bit, not referring to anything specific, but you know, um, you know the bit where I talk about how weird, the stand-up bit, if you've seen me, the bit where I talk about how uh, weird you go when you're on your own. And uh, I talk to a person in the audience, I imagine a sort of date scenario where your perception of each other is enormous, and I ask someone fictional uh what box sets they enjoy and it's always a person in the front row and then i wait and say come on what box sets do you enjoy and then it's amusing when they realize that i'm actually talking to them someone for the first said for the first time ever at an important iteration of this show said buffy and what i would normally then do is incorporate what they've said in something else and i managed to get um uh i managed to get spike's line spike's final line i love you and Spike says, no, you don't. But thanks for saying so. I managed to get it into a special version of the show and I was really pleased with that. But let's face it, it's not going to make the edit, is it? <laughs> anyway, that's that's all from me. Give me your answers on a, a postcard, electronic or no other format um, or a tweet or something. What do we do for episode 400? Start thinking about it now. That's a good that's a good start. It's a few months away, but they could get something. To, could I get what could I do? I mix, mess with the format, double down, triple down, fall apart. What do I do? What do I do? Hmm. Give me your thoughts. Anyway, that's all for me. Going to go and collect the boy from school. And then uh, tonight I'm going to do my first ever PTA gig at my son's school that I've organised. So I'll tell you all about how that goes and whether or not I manage to host a stand-up room in uniquely weird circumstances where I'm going to spend the next however many years, <laughs> six years of uh, being in playgrounds with the audience and consequently feel a little inhibited, I'll tell you how that goes when I speak to you next week. Bye for now. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.